Yes, thank you. I'm the youth director here, uh, which means that for the most part, I have the joy and privilege of journeying with our middle school and high school students, 6th to 12th grade. Um, and it has been, while I have a mic, I will say it's been an amazing year. I've been a very, it's been a gift for me to be able to journey with them, and I look forward to everything that we have coming up to, both this summer and beyond. So it's been, uh, that's my day job, but um, I also preach. And so here I am, uh, continuing our sermon series on the invitation which is looking at the core marks of discipleship. Um, The underlying hope for this sermon series is that each of us, as we journey through this series, will hear God's unique invitation to us. Like right here, right now, what is God's invitation for the next step in our discipleship journey? And today we're looking at uh, what is undoubtedly one of the core aspects of discipleship, service. And I do believe that this is a timely word. As we've mentioned, many of us are coming in with, um, yeah, with the weight of the Uvalde school shooting on us and um, are wrestling with uh, feelings of grief and sorrow and anger. And uh, we're also being confronted, this is like the third mass shooting in two weeks, and confronted with statistics, over 200 this year already, 27 of them in schools. And Um, in the midst of that, it's so easy to feel overwhelmed. And sometimes that overwhelm can lead us to apathy, right? When it's it's so much all at once. Um, And yet one response that we have, it's not the only response, you know, engaging uh, as as citizens informed by our faith, like that is uh, definitely something that we're called to. But one response is service. And that we can be wells of love in our sphere of influence, right? This is kind of the bottom-up transformation that is kind of envisioned in the kingdom of God. And so I do believe this is a timely word as I've been preparing it for this week. But let's go ahead. I'm going to read our scripture for today, which is uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. Hear now the word of God. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Uh, Let us pray. Dear Christ, you who came down to us, you lived among us, you taught us, you loved us. And even in your divine nature, God, you didn't come and exercise your authority over us. You didn't play by the logic that might makes right. No, you took on the nature of a servant. So may we hear the invitation this morning to embody the nature of a servant ourselves. Amen. When I was in college, I studied philosophy, you know, sitting in an armchair thinking of all the big questions. Uh, Questions like, you know, what is a good life? What is consciousness? Do I even exist And if so, do I have to write that paper? Uh, These are the things that we think of. And one of those big questions is, um, how should we live, right? This is kind of the field of ethics. How should we live? 
And when you look at ethics, you realize that there's kind of two schools of thought when you zoom out. The first is that it focuses on what you do. So it focuses on individual actions, and you have things, uh, theories that are trying to come up with these moral formulas, right, that can determine whether the thing you did or you're about to do was good or bad. So what was the motivation, what was the outcome, et cetera, et cetera. That's one way to think of it. The second way to think of it is less about what you do and who you are. So these are questions of character, integrity, not so much you know, was the thing I did last week a generous thing? But what does it mean for me to be a generous person? What does it mean for me to be wise and prudent and courageous, right? So that's the big difference. What do you do and who we are? And what I want to suggest to you today as we look at service is that the biblical call in our lives is much more akin to the second way of thinking. We're not just called to do service, We are called to be servants, right? We are called to be servants. And I think this is good to clarify because often when we think about service, we think of it in this first way, right? Like throughout the week, I go to work and I work when I'm at work, right? Or I go on the weekends and I play on the weekends. And then if I have some extra time, I'm going to sprinkle in some service, right? Like this is kind of how we think of it. But the call in our lives isn't just to try to increase the bar of things that we call service, and just do more of those things in our week, but it is to be a servant. So that when we're at work, when we're with our family, our coworkers, our classmates, that we can embody the nature of a servant in those spaces as well. And so, uh, building off of that, the title of this sermon, for those who keep track of these things, is Nature of a Servant. The Nature of a Servant, referencing uh, Philippians, which we just read a moment ago. And before I really dive in here, I do want to give a disclaimer. I want to tell you what I'm not saying. And what I'm not saying is that the things that we generally categorize as service, right? These are like volunteering at nonprofits or uh, serving and caring for those in need, serving and caring for the land. I'm not saying that we should ditch those things, right? Those are very good things. And what we'll see later is that these are the things that actually form us, form in us the servant's heart, right? So, If you're sitting here in this room right now and you're like, you know, I would really love to serve by plugging in and mentoring the youth, maybe in this community, like maybe as a small group leader or something, right? Yeah, if if you're sitting here thinking that, you definitely should still do that. You You should do that. You should talk to me after the service. I'd love to tell you more. But the point isn't that we ditch those kinds of things, but that we allow those things to form in us the servant's heart. And so as we're looking at this topic, we have two questions that are going to guide us. I told you I majored in philosophy, right? So they have to be questions. The first is, why are we called to be servants? The second, how do we become servants? So why are we called to be servants? Well, we're going to look at Paul's letter to the Philippians, second chapter. And if you were walking through the book of Philippians, you're going to notice that this part in the book is written differently. It's written kind of like a poem, right? It has indents. It's, in, it's written in verse, And that's because scholars are of a consensus that this section of Philippians is um, a hymn, uh, like a song that that was probably used in worship in the early church. And what Paul is doing is he's putting this hymn inside of his letter to kind of bolster his claim to the Philippians that uh, they should be humble with each other. 
Uh, this is very similar to what Jesus would do when he references the Psalms and his teachings, right? So what does this hymn say? It says, he starts it by saying, in your relationships with others, have the same mind as Christ Jesus. Basically, in your relationships, imitate Christ, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider some equality with God something to be used, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And it continues to go on. The first half of this hymn, we see that there's this descending motion that, that Jesus, that God, is coming down to us, right? This is the incarnation. And because he came down to us, and also how is he summed up? That he took on the nature of a servant, right? And because he came down to us, we see this, that he's lifted up in the kingdom of God. That therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name. And so we see this motion. He, Jesus came down to us, embodied the nature of a servant. And because of that, he served the kingdom of God. And don't just take it from Paul. This is also found in Jesus' own teachings, right? So when James and John in the Gospel of Matthew was just asked if they could be on Jesus' right and left-hand side when he comes into his power, right? Um, basically, they're being asked, can we be important in your kingdom, Jesus? And what does Jesus tell them? He gathers up all the disciples because he's not going to miss a good teachable moment. And Jesus says, you know that the rulers, the, the, the kings and the emperors, what do they do? They take their power and they exercise it over you. They will make you do stuff. Not so with you, disciples. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And so again, we see this kind of upside-down logic of the kingdom of God, that we are called to be servants. And when we think about kind of the, what the hymn is talking about, this incarnation, Jesus coming down, we often will talk about Jesus being fully human and fully divine, right? And for some of us who are more, you know, math-oriented in the room, we're like, 100% human, 100% divine. That's 200%. That's a, whoa, whoa. Well, the good news is it's not supposed to be a math equation. The good news is that it's a, mess, a mystery that as we wrestle with it, we come to know God more, right? This is the end of our faith, that we know God more. But we often miss the significance of what we're saying here. Jesus is fully human, fully divine. Because when we say he's fully human, we're saying that Jesus shows us what it means to be human. Jesus shows us who we are created to be. And how is that summed up in our scripture for today? That he took on the nature of a servant. And so the promise that stands for us is that as we lean into being a servant, right, in all aspects of our life, that on the other side of that, we will come to know what it means to be fully human, that we will have Christ's joy living inside of us, that we will experience a richness of life through our service. And we know this experientially, right? Like, um, me, for instance, I worked one summer uh, at a summer camp on the east side of Washington called Camp Spaulding. And when I was there, I was the service crew coordinator, which meant that I took in youth groups like one week at a time, and we'd do all of the back of the house stuff that like needs to be done for a camp, like cleaning the toilets and you know, setting up and tearing down meals and stuff. And week after week, I'd be doing this with students, and at the end of the week, these students would somehow still have a smile on their face. 
they would be filled up, right? In a different way than if they would have gone to the run around and have fun camp, but they were still filled up. And I had students who tell me, man, I want to do that again. I want to do this service thing again. Which is like, you have to keep in mind, their peers are playing capture the flag and they're cleaning 20 urinals a day. And they say, yeah, I want to come back. Like, that really shows that it's like striking a chord in us when we take on the nature of a servant. That there is a fulfillment there that we cannot reach otherwise. And so, why are we called to be servants? Because Christ took on the nature of a servant. And because, through service, we will find what it means to be fully human. So, now we're going to move on to how do we become servants, right? The the more practical question here, right? So, how do we become servants? Well, there's two answers that I have for you. The first is it is through our living relationship with God that we become servants. It is through drawing close to Christ. This is that bottom-up transformation that we've been talking about through this whole sermon series. That uh, as we, uh, you know, draw close to Christ, which is a lifetime work— This is long obedience in the same direction, right? That ultimately, as we do this, as we soak in God's love for us and witness to the way that Christ has loved others, we'll be formed through the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us into a servant. Richard Foster, in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, to this point he writes, to master the discipline of service, we first need to learn to draw near to Jesus, learn to be with him and get to know him. As we do this, he shapes our hearts, and the service which stems from this place will be true service rather than self-righteous service. And so that's why this has to be the starting place. This has to be the bottom line, is that it comes from our living relationship with God, because otherwise we fall into this trap of what Richard Foster just called self-righteous service, right? Where, yeah, we're serving, but is it really just kind of a resume builder for us? Maybe it's you know, just some kind of like virtue signaling. We just want our coworkers to think that we're good people. Or it's just for the, me- the social media posts that we're going to make about it later, right? That is a different kind of thing. What we're called to is this, what he calls true service, to serve out of our love of God. And that is why this has to be the starting place. That's the first answer. But the second answer is that we have to practice a discipline of service, Right? This is, uh, like I said, we're going to come back to these things. These are many of the things that we already think of as service, right? But when we take time out, say, to volunteer for those in need or care for the land, whatever our own individual passion may be, and we do this intentionally for the love of God, we are formed more and more into a servant. And at this point, uh, we've come to a crossroads, which you might be sitting there and thinking, okay, Nathan, wait a second. So then, is this God working in me, or is this me working for God, right? Like, which one is it? Like, is it God, or is it me? And uh, the answer that I have for you, and which is the answer almost always when we come to this crossroads, is yes. Yes, it is both us moving towards God, and in our going, God is going to transform us in ways that we would not be able to ourselves, Right? Like, because if you make this, it's a both and. If you make it an either or, you're going to fall on either side. Like, on one side, you have cheap grace. That's what Dietrich Bonhoeffer calls cheap grace, where you are, you're sitting there, you say the words, you know, you can profess it with your mouth, but it's not changing your life. 
and you're just like sitting there waiting for like an Uber driver to knock on your door. You're going to open it up. He's like, hey, we're going to the food bank. And you're like, great, finally. Like, thanks, God, I'm going to go serve, right? Like, that's not going to happen. That's this sort of like, we just sit there and do nothing. And then on the other side of this, if we don't have God in the equation, it becomes works righteousness, right? Where it's all about me to do it myself. And I don't need a savior because I'm my own savior. I don't need God because I can be God for myself, right? So it has to be a both and. Both our living relationship with God and practicing the discipline of service. And one way I experienced this in my own life was the first time I moved up here to Seattle. Um, I was waiting for my conserv- I was going to work at a conservation corps. I was waiting for that to begin. And so um, I worked like three months at a moving company. And at this moving company, the thing was, is that I uh, never knew if I was going to be working until the night before. So I'd just like have this app, and like 9 p.m. the night before, I'd be like, all right, I guess I'm working tomorrow. So secure scheduling, out the window. But as you can imagine, I had a lot of days where I was like, all right, I might work, I might work, but I ended up not working, so I had it as a free day. And so I developed this rhythm where um, I would either go into work or I would go over to the Ballard Food Bank. I lived near Ballard Food Bank at the time. I'd go over there and serve a half day with Tom, who was a delightful individual. And I kid you not, this is one of the most, like, fulfilling seasons of my life was doing this. It really was. Like, when I was at seminary and, like, super stressed out about finals and stuff, I'd, like, daydream about uh, this time of my life. Like, man, just the moving company and the food bank. Man, that was such a good time. Uh, For real. And I think that it's because... It was so fulfilling to be able to be engaging in service on a regular rhythm, right? It wasn't like I went there once and I was like, oh, I'm a servant now. No, it was like doing it over and over again and like starting to form relationships with the people that were there, feeling like I was like embodying uh, my faith in a different way by serving those in need and serving the land at the same time because Trader Joe's, you know, just drops off a big truck of things they can't sell and you have to sort it and make sure it gets into people's mouths. So... You know, it was so fulfilling. And the reason for that is uh, because of what I believe Nathan Nelson, who is our missions guy here at Bethany, what he talks about. He says two things about service. He says service is mutually transformative. It's never that we go in and we're just going to change other people, right? And then job well done and we, we get out of there. No, when we serve, it's mutually transformative. We become changed as well. And the second thing is that service is an invitation to community. This is something that we, we hope we embody here at Bethany Community Church, right? That as we serve, we are in relationship with each other. And as we serve, we're also going to find ourselves in relationship with those that we might not otherwise, right? Like, how do we break our echo chambers? Like, through service, we're going to come to know people we wouldn't otherwise, And so I experienced this, and uh, this is uh, the discipline of service. So how do we become servants, both our living relationship with God and through the discipline of service? And now I have a question for you all. I can't answer this question, but um, if you have um, one of those cards that we've been using throughout the sermon series, this is the question that you can write down on that card and that you can take with you throughout the week. And that question is where can I be a servant? Where can I be a servant? Because there are plenty of opportunities out there 
for us to practice the discipline of service, right? The world is ripe with need. And if you're feeling more it's kind of like uh, these nonprofits, like I was talking about some of those things, like there's a nonprofit for whatever you are passionate about. If it's environmental justice, if it's seeking racial justice, if it's um, serving with animals, serving those in need, like there's something out there. The world is ripe with need. And if you're sitting there and feeling the nudge of the Spirit this morning, right, to try to, to, to plug into something like that, but you don't know where to begin, I'm super grateful that we at Bethany, we have uh, very intentionally chosen long-term uh, relationships with our mission partners. We try not to be faddish with our serving and with our giving, right? We want to have these long-term relationships. And so these are places like World Vision, Urban Impact, La High Health, Aurora Commons. You can check out our website for these, but you can also just talk to us on staff, right? We would love to hear your heart. We would love to let you know what we have. But I also want to encourage you, when you're thinking of this question, where can I be a servant, to think about your existing relationships, your existing rhythms as well, right? It's um, because I guarantee you that you have areas in your life right now that are rich opportunities for you to be a servant. How can you be a servant in your family? How can you be a servant with your friends, your classmates, your coworkers, right? Where can you be a servant? And I know that this question, too, is um, it takes a lot of intentionality, right? This is not something that we just accidentally stumble upon, especially as um, we're living in a time right now where uh, the treadmill is ramping up again, right? Like there's concerts and sports games and school plays and, um, you know, play dates with friends and all of these things. And, and, this, and the schedule is, becomes full before we even realize that it's the week of, Right? And so it does take intentionality to find time to practice the discipline of service. But the encouragement that I have for you is that the more we do this, the more our schedule starts to reflect our values, and the more that our time starts to reflect Christ living in us, the more that we will experience all those things we talked about earlier. That the promise is that there is joy in serving promise is that there is, um, there's relationships there, that there's fullness in a meaningful um, relationships that you can form through it. So that is the promise. And so as we close, I'm going to invite the band back up here, and I'm also going to invite prayer ministers to come stand towards the front. If there's something during this service, during today especially, as we've walked in here, that's just weighing on your heart. We have prayer um, prayer folks up here that you can come and uh, they would be happy to, to hear your heart pray for you um, during, after this service, so during the next worship songs. But I want to leave you with this quote, which is attributed to St. Francis. This quote, preach the gospel at all times and when necessary, use words. Right? When you are a servant, people notice. When you are a servant, you are embodying the good news of Christ to others. And your servant, you are being the gospel light in a world that so desperately needs it. And so whether it's in big ways, whether it's in uh, not so big ways, whatever it is, may we embody the nature of a servant. And through doing so, uh, shine Christ's love to the world. Amen? All right, let us continue in worship.